Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Hump Day, and welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And we are honoring our EMS workers this week. It is National EMS Week, and we are pleased to have with us from Orange County Fire Department, uh, Engineer Jerry Webster, who's going to talk a little bit about, you know, what it's like to be an EMS worker and what that entails and give us some more information. So good morning. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for taking the time out. Really appreciate it. So it's a shame that we need, we just need a week to say thank you. And we really appreciate you and, and those that work with you for what you do. But I think we just get caught up in whatever's going on at the time because it's usually a whole lot of trauma and drama and and we don't really think about until after the fact you know hey i really should say thank you and and some people do but tell us about i guess first of all tell us about you and how you got your entry into the work and and tell us what you do okay well thank you again um for having me um yeah, my name is uh, Jerry Webster. I've been with Orange County Fire Rescue for about 13 years now. Um, I started in about 2010. Um, my prior job or my prior experience before this was I, I worked for Orange County government in solid waste. And um, I, walked, I worked in solid waste for about two years. And then um, Orange County Fire Rescue had uh, opened up a basically like a job fair where they were looking for firefighters. And I was I was younger, and I was kind of like, oh, well, I'm not let me just try this out. Um, and I come from, like, a sports background, so I was like, I was kind of up my, up, you know, it's my field of uh, what I like to do. So I joined the fire department, um, and at the time, they uh, were paying for my school. They paid for me to go through EMT school. They paid for me to go through fire school and really just, you know, started my career out by giving me the schooling that I needed to uh, start the process. Um, so once I joined the fire department, I was an EMT uh, and I worked in the iDrive area for about five years. And in that five-year period, um, I kind of developed a more of a, um, a love for the medical side of our job because we do run fire calls, we run firefighters, um, auto, auto accidents. Uh, we run those type of calls, but we also do about 80, over, I mean, at least over 80% of our calls are medical-related. So uh, I developed a love for that and decided to pursue that and further my education by going to paramedic school. Uh, so paramedic school is roughly, you know, a year and a half with 
clinicals, uh, school, testing, um, and then kind of more focusing on the different skills that you need to be a paramedic. And in that process, um, at the end of it, took my national exam and became a medic for Orange County. Uh, so you, once I became you, a medic you went from, no, I'm just curious because you went from, well, let's see, to this is what I'm choosing, this is my life. So was there a particular turning point when that happened for you? Yeah, so the five-year period where I was a, a firefighter, EMT, you get to see a lot of different things. You go on these calls and you see where uh, people really depend on you and, and you can really make a difference in these people's life by, you know, tending to them and, and some of the emergency situations that you go on, um, how your impact is going to prolong their life or um, or how it could, you know, uh, make things a little bit easier for them or their family members. So uh, the, the, the paramedic on scene is usually that lead guy. Uh, and then it's usually they're surrounded by EMTs. So I had five years of watching my lead medic take control of those situations, and he was the one who really um, kind of put it into me to learn, you know, I want to do that one day. Um, they give medications, uh, all different types of medical interventions um, on the, in the back of the ambulance and different things like that. Well, I just wanted to do that as well. So I decided to, you know what, I'm going to go to medic school. And uh, because I want to do that, and I want to, you know, be that mentor, be that person that, you know, he was for me, or I looked up to him. So, in terms of schooling, how long of a process is that? So, paramedic school, uh, it was about. There are some prerequisites. You have to have anatomy, uh, anatomy, physiology, and then you go through about a year of schooling, where it's. Clinicals and clinicals are when you go to hospitals and you do like 12 hours working into a hospital where you can sit up under a mentor or a preceptor, and they kind of like, you know, give you the ones and twos of being in that position. And through their experience, you know, they, they establish really, really good habits. Uh, and so I do that at the hospital. And then we also have clinicals where you're going to be doing it at a fire station. And so you'll be on the ambulance with a preceptor, uh, paramedic, and you run calls with them, you won't be doing the medical interventions, but uh, you get to shadow them and learn from them through that process. And medical school, like I said, is about a year and a half, so you take multiple tests during there, and, and they break them down into different categories like cardiology, obstetrics, which is your OB, um, pregnancy. Um, you also have uh, special considerations for special generations of people, um, Trauma is another one. Uh, pulmonology, like just there's there's different um, categories of study that you go through in the paramedic process. So, is there a requirement in terms of having a, a diploma or a degree? Yeah, so um, you do have to have a a high school diploma, um, and that is the that is it. You graduate from high school, you can become an EMT, um, which is the beginning part. Uh, so you become an EMT first, and then you become a paramedic after that. Uh, but you do, yes, you have to have a high school diploma. Um, I went to college, uh, but it wasn't necessary for me to go to college just to be a firefighter um, EMT and then go to the next step, which is a firefighter paramedic. Okay. 
But I was curious about one of the things you mentioned needing, which was like anatomy and stuff like that. Is that something that, well, is that like high school anatomy or is that something that you get along the way? It'll be college anatomy. Whichever paramedic school you go to, yeah, they'll they'll require it from um, like as a prereq. Like you're gonna if you're gonna take medical, um, Mm -hmm. you're gonna take a medical class. They want you to have a basic understanding of how the body functions. So a lot of schools, a lot of paramedic schools require you to have that prerequisite, and most of them they put you through anatomy and physiology. Okay, all right, good. Tell me, would would there have been something in let's say a high school course that may would have made you better prepared or something you said, I wish I'd have taken this or I'm glad I I took this? So they do have, I know some honor courses, they do have anatomy, physiology. Um, You can take Mm -hmm. it in high school. There are, uh, and it's more in the the science classes. Uh, I know there are a lot of chemistries that relate to chemistry that you might take um, when it it deals with medicine. Uh, And Mm -hmm. There's, I mean, there's courses, you know, anything in high school, to be honest with you, can prepare you for what you're going to be doing um, in your professional life if you really apply yourself. And I think, you know, something as simple, and I don't want to say one class is better than the other, but just regular right. being able to speak to people properly is something that you really want to focus on and, and being able to, you know, project. And, and that's, that's very important when you're talking to people who are going through crisis, um, to be able to speak to them in a way that they understand and uh, to get the best the best outcome from them. So uh, let me ask too: when you talk about preparation, are there any type of uh, let's say not necessarily courses, maybe, but counseling and stuff that you get to face some of these situations? You know that some people, most people, probably would find very gruesome or not necessarily being prepared to handle because they're sudden and they're, you know, just very devastating. Do you all get any type of of courses or any type of counseling in order to prepare for that aspect of the job? Yes. Yeah, so one of the good things is that um, my department, we have critical incident stress management teams here and um, we, you know, call them CISM and, and we have the, uh, uh, employee assistant programs here as well, that if I'm having issues at work where I see something that bothers me or is lingering with me for, you know, you know we're talking about years and years, and I want to talk to somebody about it and try to figure out a way to uh, to decompress from that situation or to just get through that situation so that I can function properly, um, we have those uh, avenues here with Orange County Fire Rescue and, and the critical incident stress management teams. And that's just you just reaching out to one of your peers and saying, hey, I need to talk to somebody about this call. It's kind of bothering me a little bit. And the good thing is it, we kind of pushed this a little bit more over the last couple of years where in the past um, it was kind of looked kind of looked down to, you know, firefighters and paramedics, you had to be tough, and if you couldn't do it, then you get out the job. And there really wasn't anything there for us to, uh, to work through some of the issues that we might have. And what ends up happening is that some people end up self-medicating, which is probably not the best thing to do. Um, but now there's different avenues where you can actually talk to somebody. I think dialogue with somebody who understands where you're coming from and knows how to get you through some of these crises and things that we deal with because every single call is a restart for us. Um, the people that we run on, it's their emergency right now, right? So they're calling us. I don't want you to be thinking about anything else but me. Um, but they don't know that maybe 
15 minutes ago, we just ran on a, a child found in a, a crib that was unresponsive, right? Um, they're just worried mm. about themselves, and you have to quickly move on from each situation, and there really is no moment to kind of get over things, right? So then in ways of happening, it kind of compounds on it sometimes. And if you don't, if you don't know how to deal with it, it could, it could really bother you and, um, and build on you and kind of break you down. So I was going to ask you, like, what is a so-called typical day like for you? But then there's really no typical day, right? There's nothing typical about it, right? Yeah, yeah. It it, it ranges. You know, you can you can have something as simple as, you know, uh, a family member calls you because they slipped and fell, and they just need you to pick them up, right? And you just help them. You go on your way, and then it could be something as extreme as, you know. Uh, a really, really bad car accident where you have to cut them out of the car uh, and perform life, uh, life save or life saving interventions to get them through that um, that situation. So, uh, there's nothing really typical about the profession, which is also kind of one of the good things. Is it kind of keeps you on your toes, uh, and that is really kind of the reason why a lot of firefighters tend to go to this this profession because there is no uh, there is no just boring look at it you know you're, you're always going to be surprised I'm, I've been doing this for 13 years now and um, every couple of shifts I see something I've never seen before so I think it's I think it's one of the one of the good things about this job now obviously this is dealing with somebody's life right so I, I don't want to say that things that happen to people is good I'm not saying that but um, it's no. definitely like it's one of the things that kind of draws us to us to be in those situations where we are able to help those people through those moments Right. And I, I so and I think most people get that is that, you know, you're just glad that you are in a position in your profession right. in a situation where you can be of assistance to somebody at a time where they may be a little lost. They don't know what to do, what the next step step is. Um and right. like you said, they're thinking about they're not thinking about, you know, the other people that you help, they're thinking about their situation <laughs> right at that moment. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah. So and and is, just I'm sorry. No, no, please go ahead. Oh no, I was, I was just going to say, yeah, most of our calls are are medical calls, and like I said in the beginning, about eighty percent, and what that kind of turns into is uh, over one hundred and fifteen thousand calls, or rather over that amount in two thousand twenty two is what we ran last year, um, and then of that one hundred fifteen thousand, uh, seventy eight thousand people were actually transported to the hospital. So. Um, we're talking about a very high volume of calls that our that our first responders are seeing. So, uh, do you have a little extra time? I wanted to take a break and then come back yeah. and, and talk to you some more. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's all fine. right. So it's it's EMS week. So e, e, if you get a chance, if you think about it, thank an EMS worker. Um, but you know, we wanted to kind of get get some insight in terms of you know what they really do and what they face and how they help us out. So if you have questions or comments, the number is five one six three eight seven one nine four four. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are honoring National EMS Week um, with Engineer Webster. And, the call, and the, if you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. How, in, in your situation, is there like a, a team? Well, I guess there's a team. 
how many people do you, I guess, team up with on a daily basis? How is this, what okay, is the structure so, like? Yeah. So it, it, is, it is a team of uh, firefighters and uh, EMT paramedics. So um, every fire station, uh, your, your base is probably going to be, you got four people on a fire truck. Um, you're going to probably have at least one paramedic and three EMTs on the fire truck. And then you're going to have an ambulance, uh, which is going to be the transport unit. And you're going to have a firefighter and an EMT. So the EMT is usually the driver. The paramedic is the person that is going to be interacting with the patient and be in the back of the ambulance. So roughly every single medical call, you're going to get about six people that show up to your home. Okay. And then do you work with other departments? Uh, you know, usually they, I, I just recall in certain instances um, you see like a, a smaller red truck sometimes and then you see the the bigger uh, fire engine and you may see other vehicles depending on what the circumstances are. Right. So what what determines who shows up? So it depends on the scene. So uh, just to give you an example, um, uh, we go, we work in, really we work a lot of calls with OCSO here, the, the sheriff department. Um, right. Because sometimes, um, you know, these emergencies need that security aspect too. So uh, we won't be put in a situation where at least they didn't clear it for us. And um, I think that's really important for people to understand where, you know, if there is that security or risk element that is beyond what a firefighter is able to do, the cops are going to have to clear it first. Um, once they get it under control, then we can intervene and, and, and start to assist and um, help the patients. But um, sometimes, like you said, you said the little, the little red truck, um, and those are our, usually those are our battalion chiefs or our captains. Uh, they have solo units that they respond to, and those high-acuity calls where we need somebody else with a little bit more experience, um, they'll go to those calls. And a high-acuity call would be like maybe a, a building fire we'll get multiple fire trucks, multiple ambulance, and we'll get those smaller trucks there because those people are um, a little bit more experienced and they can run those big scenes like that. Um, potentially violent situations, and that could be something like a domestic dispute or a shooting, we'll get a battalion chief or a captain, they'll get there to make sure that everything is ran smoothly and um, that you know something, the interaction between us and the cops and the patients and all those things run smoothly. So. You have a multiple, uh, just multiple vehicles, but it just really depends on the acuity of the event who really shows up. Are there things that, um, even in the midst of an emergency, that uh, a, a patient or uh, a caregiver or someone can do or needs to do uh, when they make a phone call? an emergency phone call or when they answer the door, are there certain things that, that we, I guess, as you know, the, the public can do better in order to facilitate what's going on at the time? Yeah. Um, and, and I, we understand at first responders that this is, if you're calling 911, this is probably the worst day. Uh, for most people, There's, it, no one wants to call 911 just to have a conversation with somebody on the line, right? We're calling for uh, for help. So the best thing that, um, or at least we appreciate the most, is the people that give us the most information about whatever's happening with them. 
uh, being prepared to, hey, this is what happened, this is what, you know, my medical history, these are medications I take, um, and just give us as much information as you can because um, that information is going to help us treat you um, even better. Now, we, we know every situation isn't going to uh, be as simple as that. Sometimes you have unresponsive patients, and they're unable to give you information. But for um, for just your, you know, the callers, the public people, if you have information that you can tell us about whatever event, be prepared to uh, just tell us. You know, um, It'll help us in treating you, and we can relay that information to the hospital once we transport you as well. So um, yeah, just, be, just be ready that we're going to ask a whole bunch of questions, and if you can mm-hmm. give us you know, the best answers or, you know, really think about what you're saying because we're going to tell the doctors and nurses uh, this one will get you to the hospital. So is this where it may be helpful, I'm thinking, since most people have cell phones on them, is this maybe mm-hmm. where you would keep things like uh, your medical history in terms of medications, mm-hmm. in terms of who your doctors are, in terms of who yep. your next of kin is and stuff of, stuff like that? Those are all very good things. Um, some people have medical alert risks. Uh, they have uh, medical alert tags where it has all their medical information. Um, some people mm-hmm. keep it in their phone. They have, they have emergency contacts on there, you know, the, the ice in case of emergency list. Uh, they have their medication list. And then people, and you know, usually those are people who have probably been in a situation before where they weren't prepared, and now the next time they're more prepared. Um, the general right. person doesn't always have that because they don't know exactly what they need. But for general people, you know, just keeping that information um, somewhere on your phone that you can access it in case of emergency, and then you can provide it to a first responder or that doctor, or if you if you have a certain doctor at a certain hospital that you've been dealing with that knows your medical history, if you can provide that for us. Um, most of the time, most most hospitals have uh, the network have your information in there. So if we take you to the right network of hospital, they can pull up everything there. Um, so I think that's also very important to keep 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 some type of um, you know in case of emergency list uh, when it comes okay. pertaining to your medical history and your health. So can you give us examples of I guess. Well, I guess you have some information that, about um, what you do and, and stats and stuff like that. Did, did, did you want to share that with us? Yeah, so I, I, I kind of tried to throw it in in conversation a little bit. But, yeah, I, what I was yeah. saying is that, um, you know, majority of the calls that we run um, throughout the year, and I'm just going off of last year, 2022, um, are medical calls. Uh, every single time somebody calls 911, it's usually – medical, um, and we see medical more than we see fire, to be honest with you, um, in an auto accident. Every, every single auto accident, typically somebody's hurt, so then it turns into a medical call. And the same thing with fires. Okay. If, if there's a fire, there's going to be a burn, inhalation, or something like that. So the numbers, and I say 80%, it's, it's actually probably a lot higher than that because every single mm-hmm. call, every single in, incident that we go on, there is a medical aspect to it. So... Um, we get to see a lot of that, and we transport a lot of people to the hospital. And uh, it's it's EMS week, and I think uh, I don't think people know the toll of, of the EMS and, and, and how how much we see. Uh, but it, there's a lot of it out there, um, even more than what some of the stats have, because every single call we want, we pretty much go on. It ends up being a medical call. 
that's got to be just quite hard. Um, and so, but I know you, and you, I know you say some people do things that aren't necessarily healthy in terms of handling the stress of the day. But um, what do you, what, is, what do you do? Just curious um, after you've gone through all of that. Because uh, I guess I'm curious too. People that have that are in that profession and they have families, and mm-hmm. you almost have to compartmentalize in terms of yeah. it's not it's not on the family. I can't take this stuff home. You know, when when you talk about how's your day, the average citizen may not necessarily be be equipped to handle mm-hmm. that. So you know what I'm you know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I I know exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah, just to, to answer that question, um, you know, it, it starts with you, right? So it depends on how you um, cope with your day, right? Uh, are you a communicator? Mm-hmm. Um, is your person that you're going home, do they want to talk about stuff like that? Because and I, I, right. when I first started my career, my family, uh, my, my family we, I grew up in the church, and my mom's a minister, and my dad's, my stepdad, he's a minister, and um, I kind of had an idea where when I first started my career, I'm going to tell them everything. And I'll come <laughs> home, and then I realized, like, ah, maybe, maybe I shouldn't tell them all that because uh, I could see, I could just kind of read their face. I was like, oh, she, my mom, she was not prepared for that. And um, mm-hmm. then you kind of just figure out, all right, well, there's, there has to be another way. Who am I going to talk to? What ends up happening is a lot of firemen just talk to each other. Um, and if they get to the point where they, um, are in a, uh, they have a family they know what to tell their family, know what to maybe not give them all the details of something if they have to speak about something. Um, right. But other ways of coping, I, I mean, I I really believe in this. When I when I leave my job, I leave my job. Um, mm-hmm. I do not dwell on my profession outside of work. And it doesn't work for everybody, but I'm just talking about for me. I have so many other things that I can focus on when I leave. And, um I mean, I, I play sports. I you know go to church. I um, just hang out with my friends. I'm a, I'm a big movie person. I'll sit there and watch a movie, and I, just to get away from the profession because you do spend 24 hours at work. You spend a full day at work, mm-hmm. and, and our schedule is 24 hours on, and you get 48 48 off, so you get two days off. Um, usually, that mm-hmm. first day off is all right, resting from the shift before, and then you have that day to kind of you know do whatever else you need to do, but. I'm a, I'm a real believer in when I leave work, I leave work. Um, and I, I do not want to bring that home with me. Uh, some of the things, you know, and, and, and I'm saying this, not everything we see is bad. We get to go on a lot of really good things, a lot of good situations where we can make um, an impact on somebody. And you want to tell somebody about that, and it makes you feel good, you know. So I don't, I don't want it to sound like, you know, gloom and gloom all the time. We do a lot of good things and a lot of – we have a lot of happy moments as well. Um, so – you know, it's both sides to that, but my my experience is that I, I like to leave. I like to leave work at work. I'm just curious because I'm kind of a movie person too. What's your favorite genre? Oh, okay, all right. So, um, so my favorite genre. I'm, I'm an action guy. Um, uh-huh. I like action. I like thrillers. Uh, and then you know, okay. I'm, I'm a big Denzel fan. So, I'll sit down and watch Denzel whatever whenever I can. Um, Mm-hmm. I don't think I think I've watched Man on Fire uh, too many times, but where I can quote that whole movie. <laughs> but I, I I do love watch movies. I'm always uh, trying to watch a movie uh, and and spend my time relaxing. Well, 
Well, that's good. I was going to say this is, it seems like your season coming up with the action-adventure action movies um, starting to gear mm-hmm. up now. <laughs> yeah, it is. So right old time, Marvel coming out with a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you a couple of other questions, if I may. Um, one is, okay. uh, did you see, uh, uh, did COVID really impact what you all do and yes. how? Um, I'm sorry. Yes, COVID, so COVID, it, it kind of changed our approach a little bit. I think mm-hmm. uh, we we got really lax with maybe our approach to patients. Um, and being a first responder, nothing really kind of surprises you, but I think COVID kind of surprised us a little bit um, when it came to the, the scale of how many sick people we were actually dealing with and how easy it was uh, to spread the, the, the virus and um, you know, we're in the back of an ambulance with somebody on the way to the hospital. So it's very close quarters. And so we really, we were really focused on, all right, how do we keep each other safe? How do we keep our family safe? Uh, and then we put a real focus on protecting ourselves, um, wearing masks, wearing a proper PPE to make sure that we're not, you know, spreading hand washing, you know, is, is something that people take for granted, but, you know, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing somebody with some alcohol hand spray or something like that. And I think, uh, for us as first responders, there was the mental toll to right because we were seeing a lot of sick, really, really, really sick people, um, and it only mm-hmm. became overwhelming at, at at some point. But then um, we developed a lot of good practices from that time, and I think it put a real focus on um, making sure that we're protecting each other um, and protecting our family more. Well, that's that's good. And speaking of protecting family, that was going to, that actually leads into my next question. Since mm-hmm. you've been in that profession, what types of things that you think about that you didn't think about before you would normally think about that you do in order to keep your family safer? So, yeah, so I'm almost a little too paranoid, but at the same time, I, I, I kind of maybe take things for granted because I'm supposed to be able to function in those situations. But little things I never used to, um, I never used to sit, go to restaurants and sit where I could see exits. Um, I always try to find out if something was to happen here, how am I going to get out of this building? Um, and it, it's not something that typically people think about, but now because I've been doing this so long, I was like, nah, okay, if I'm here with my family, um, I'm going to have a way where we can get out of here safely. Um, I'm going to know where the AED is. If somebody goes down and I have to do CPR, I know where the, the AED is. Uh, those are things that I think about now where I didn't think about that in the past. Uh, if somebody's sitting in my car without a seatbelt on, I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not driving until you put your seatbelt on. Those things because I've been too many accidents. Um, it's more safety stuff that I think about now where I didn't always think about it in the past. It's really interesting that you say that about the exits because my husband, who wasn't in the military that long, but mm-hmm. he that's his big thing is knowing where the exit is. I'm, you know, me, <laughs> oblivious and everything. I was like, okay, you yeah. a little strange, but that's okay. You know, he doesn't, he likes to, yeah, he's spotting where the exits are. He's not wanting to sit with his back to the door, things like that. Right. And right. and I'm like, really? Can't you just in, enjoy the, <laughs> enjoy the moment? And, and you know, but it does. It sounds a little ahead. paranoid. And it, it's funny. It, it sounds funny when you when you think about it. But it's like, man, I, our job was 
to find a way out, right? So it's like I, I know I said I turn it off when I leave, but there's some things I just can't turn off. Um, and when I go into certain situations, I, like, I just want to be able to protect the people that I'm with, right? So mm-hmm. um, in those situations, and I, I know your husband, he's like, hey, I, uh, something happens, I'm going to be able to get you out of here, even if you're oblivious to it. We're going to be able to get out of mm-hmm. here and um, do what we need to do. And that's the protective thing. You know, I, I think he he wants to be able to be able to uh, calmly get you out of a situation that everybody else is probably going to go crazy with, you know. So, um, yeah. it, it does sound paranoid, but the the reason is um, just to be safe and be prepared for something. Yeah. Well, I have to thank you for that because that makes, makes me understand and appreciate him more um, in terms yeah. of that school of he thought. Did, he's so trying like, to protect okay. you. That's all. <laughs> okay. Appreciate <laughs> that. So um, I I got to take a quick break, and I want to come back if that's okay. I, now, I won't keep you long, but I, just, I didn't know if there was any last things that you wanted to share after the break. Would that be okay? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Thanks. So um, questions, comments, the number is 516-387-1944. We're taking a quick break. We're here with Engineer Jerry Webster of the Orange County Fire Department. This is G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment, and we will be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faith, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families. Good afternoon and welcome back to G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are here with Engineer Jerry Webster of the Orange County Fire Department, and this <laughs> is National EMS Week, and so we, we're talking with him and getting some insight in terms of the life and, uh, you know, a better appreciation in terms of uh, what our EMS workers go through. So did you have just any last words or any comments or any stories that you wanted to share with our, our listeners? Um, yeah, so I, I guess, you know, and just what this week is about, so it's just a little bit um, of awareness what the EMS profession kind of goes through. And I think um, just even just having this conversation is really cool and it's, it's really, I thank you for letting me be a part of this. Um, but uh, we, as first responders, um, we always kind of like put on that, that deal where we don't need somebody to tell us thank you, right? We're just going to do our job no matter what. But um, a thank you goes a long way. And I think um, having this weekend for you reaching out um, and actually saying thank you for what we do is, is we, we really appreciate that. And we're people, you know, so it, we have a job to do, but uh, we really appreciate when people say thank you or they show that compassion and say, hey, I, I appreciate you. 
Uh, and it just gives us a little bit more juice to keep doing what we got to do, even when the situations uh, that we go into um, could be overwhelming or it can be draining at sometimes. Um, and, you know, just always lift us up in prayer, um, you know, or whatever the spirituality is, you know, we try to uplift people uh, through that um, and greatly, greatly appreciate that. Well, it's it's amazing what you all take on for us because, you know, it's it's kind of like a whirlwind experience. Um, I remember, you know, I've had to make a couple of calls with family emergencies and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're thinking about uh, a variety of things in terms of which hospital they're going to go to, if they have to go to the hospital, uh, you know, what and trying to gather that information on the medication. And, you know, because I know one of the questions you all usually ask is, you know, are there any particular allergies to medications and, and things of that nature and medical history in terms of things like, you know, heart disease, heart attacks, you know, um, or anything. So there's a whirlwind of of stuff that's going on at that time. And the, you know, the person that's in the thick of it, you know, is not necessarily the most level-headed. So you come Mm -hmm. at it with a different perspective, and that helps to kind of, you know, manage the situation and and diffuse it, keep it from escalating as much as it could, could escalate, so... That's always right, and that's that's what we're supposed to do. I think you know I can't have an expectation for you as somebody who's going through this crisis to be calm, right? Um, but for somebody who's going through crisis, and uh, if you can look at me and see the calm in me as I treat you, uh, hopefully that will help you out. Get through, you know, like I, I don't, I wouldn't want somebody in there that's sweating and, and, and looks as disheveled as I'm looking, um, trying to help me through my emergency. Um, I, I would like a calm, level-headed person uh, that's going to give me the best care uh, that I need in that, in that event. Right. So, have, and, and I, I know I'll, I'll let you go, but I just have just a quick question in terms of: Have you ever been on the other end, and has in terms of having to call because of an emergency? And has your experience helped you manage that? So. Personally, no. I've I've never called nine one one. I kind of pride myself on that, um, just because I, you know, I I don't want to be in the back of the ambulance unless I'm working. But um, right, I have been on the other end where I have a family member that, um, and just you know, recently I was dealing with some stuff with my mom, and you know, she had to call nine one one, and mm-hmm. um, I know she was looking for calm in me for her situation, and I was kind of just talking her through it. Um, one of the good things is I knew the crew that was going, um, so I kind of, you know, prepped her and prepped them for the situation and um, just try to, you know, keep keep her as calm as I can. But, no, I haven't personally myself uh, been put in that situation, but, you know, I'm, I'm feeling everything my mom was going through, right, because that's, that's my mom. And it was one of those moments for me where I'm like, all right, you know, I'm not working, but I'm kind of working for her right now, and I need to make sure that I give her some sense of calm uh, in this moment for her. So that yeah, was a little, it was a little scary moment for me, but um, I, you know, my training and those different things kind of helped me get through that, and it helped her that I was calm through that situation. Well, 
thank you for sharing today. Thank you for taking the time to represent <laughs> and helping us honor. Oh, definitely. You are, are most welcome and most appreciated. Um, we we love the fact that you were able to take the time and give us a little insight, and so we kind of get a better perspective and better handle on what you all do. So thank you very much. You have a blessed thank day. You. Thank you. You have a blessed day take as well. Care. So that was Engineer Jerry Webster with the Orange County uh, Fire Department, and we are grateful that he was able to take some time out because (laughs) their schedules are very busy, y'all. But we needed to kind of get get a little insight and be able to honor them. So um, you have any questions or comments or topics, I mean, that you want to discuss, the number is 516-387-1944, because otherwise – we're going to probably let you go. We've got a short show today. Um, we uh, also want to continue this month to recognize uh, the teachers and the nurses and the moms this month, also small businesses this month. I had a chance to uh, – actually, um, my uh, broker's office had a meeting at one of my favorite small businesses, uh, Birchwood Coffee up in Apopka. Um, had um, – Kate Manley from the Apopka Area Chamber of Commerce that visited this morning. There's a lot of stuff going on in Apopka, so um, hope to have her on soon to talk about uh, some of the growth going on there uh, during um, National um, Home Ownership Month, which is next month in June. So speaking of National Home Ownership Month, are you ready to buy a home? you know, it's a, I know it's a little overwhelming now. You, you can't really necessarily tell what's going on in the housing market. We hear that some of the prices have gone down, but that may or may not be in our area. But in either case, you don't necessarily have to just get started on the home ownership process, like right before you get ready to, to buy a home. There are things like getting your credit in order. Um, this is a good time to, to do that, to start working on that, to get with, um, a financial advisor. Um, we usually have one on the show the first Friday of each month, uh, but it's, it's time to maybe get with a financial advisor to get ready to uh, make that just on a new home or an existing home. Uh, and there are programs out there, as um, our mortgage uh, guy Jabir usually uh, gives us insight on in terms of the different programs to order in order to make that purchase. But Next month, we're going to have a variety of professionals to come on to talk about the home ownership and home purchasing um, and selling process. So make sure you join us next month. And if you have um, any questions that or topics that you want us to address with regards to home ownership next month, um, please let us know. You know, hit us up on G's Power Hour Facebook page. Also, next month is uh, Father's Day coming up. Um, we want to try to talk to some of our, our fathers, our dedicated fathers out there about what this time means for them. And next month is also Black Music Month. I, I always look forward to that, um, planning on going to a, a concert at least one next month. So, um, you know, keep us posted. Let us know what's going on in your neck of the woods. Hit me up on the G's Power Hour Facebook page. But in the meantime, we are going to go ahead and go for the day. Um, talk to you tomorrow, God willing. This has been G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.